All right, all right, all right. What's up? What's up? Welcome to the Nolan Show, a live New York sports YouTube and Twitter show. If you're watching right now, thank you for joining me. I really appreciate it. If you hit that like and subscribe button, if you're on Twitter, hit that like and hit that retweet button today. Talking a lot, talking a lot of Mets, defending my guy Buck Showalter, going to be shitting on Billy Epler basically today. Also, a little bit of Knicks, a little Knicks postseason preview. Can they beat the Cavaliers? Will Julius Randle be healthy? I'll be talking about that. McCall Bridges. Can him and the Nets upset the Philadelphia 76ers in round run of the postseason? Going to be talking about that, too. Going to be talking a little bit about the playing, too. The Chicago Bulls had a nice little comeback today. The Lakers, too, popped off, too. Going to be talking a little bit NBA. Yes, 100%. And, of course, I'll be talking Mets and Yankees, too. Don't worry. Going to be going over my list, my power rankings list. I'm going to pop it up on the screen, actually, to start off the show with some Mets and Yankees talking. I'm not going to talk about kids. Not going to talk about uh, whether Anthony Volpe and his struggles right now, even though he had a good day at the plate leading off. I'm going to be talking about the my, my top guys in uh, my top guys right now. Let's talk them. So number one you see on my list right there, Aaron Judge. Of course it's going to be Aaron Judge. I mean, he's hitting over 300 right now. I'm going to switch cams real quick. He's hitting over 300 right now. So it's a no-brainer that you got to put Aaron Judge on this list. And then number two, Pete Alonzo. Obviously, Pete Alonzo leading the league in home runs right now. Every fan is just focusing on really the bad stuff, I feel like. You know, we're focusing on why Brett Beatty isn't up, why Ronnie Mauricio isn't up, why Mark Vientos isn't up. Well, really, we got to start realizing we're only 13 games in. We're 7-6. and six, And Pete Alonzo, can we start talking about him? I mean, he only leads the league in home runs right, right now. He's literally hitting a home run almost every other game. Literally every other game. He's got 6-13. and 13. That's literally um, almost every other game. He This guy's hitting a home run. And it's almost, it's not really a contract year for Pete, but next year's a contract year. And you know he's going to want that extension. So hopefully I'm going to expect Pete to continue this stretch of, of a monstrous home runs. Because like I said, you saw Judge last year. The Yankees, they waited to pay him, and it didn't pay off. So the Mets... They might need to pay this guy a lot of money if he continues on this little pace that he's on right now with his home runs, leading the league in home runs. Love to see it. Garrett Cole, number three, best pitcher in New York, undoubtedly. I mean, not only is the health a big factor, but his performances to start the year, lights out. He's been lights out. The Garrett Cole that everybody has been waiting to see, he has really proven that he's not not, not just the Yankees ace, but he's one of the best pitchers in the American League right now. Love to see it if you're a Yankees fan. Love to see your guy getting paid that much, provide that much, especially because Cole, he hasn't been he hasn't been terrible, but he hasn't been like Garrett Cole that I think I don't think the Yankees fan has seen the best of Garrett Cole. That's what I'm that's what I think I'm saying. Um number four, Kodai Senga. I mean, yeah, like I said with Pete Alonzo, everybody's focusing on the bad. Kodai Senga, though. I mean, he's been lights out his first two starts. Kodai Senga day this Friday um, against the A's, too. So another 
like we should win. We should, he should dominate the Oakland A's based off of what he did in Japan and in his first two starts so far. So hopefully he can continue it. Excite Mets fans because we need, we need pitching, obviously, especially with Scherzer, his first two starts, he struggled in even did look a little bit of shaky there too. But at the end of the day, um, the only thing that we can really focus on is what we have in front of us. And this team is Pete Alonzo leading the league in home runs. And Kodai Sengo looks like a legit wild card ace. Number five, Glaber Torres popping off. Most improved player, I think, uh, right now. He's got that most improved tag, 100%. Um, obviously, there's no most improved in baseball. But for the Nolan Show, most improved award, I think Glaber Torres is taking a run for it because we saw in 2019 the potential that he has popping all those home runs. And Glaber, I'm not going to say he's going to be back to that, back to that old Glaber Torres, but if he can just be even a shell of what he was, that's still that's still very good production. And Glaber, I mean, every Yankees fans know, every Yankee fan knows he has potential and he always has had potential. So if he can like like Pete Alonso. Pete Alonso obviously is much better than Glaber Torres, much more accomplished. But Pete Alonso's off to a ridiculous start with the home runs. So if Glaber if Glaber Torres can continue his little streak too, I think uh, I think Yankees fans will be really hyped up. But since we're talking about baseball, and I just mentioned Pete Alonso, let's continue to talk about Pete Alonso because Pete Alonso is absolutely mashing the baseball right now. And I just mentioned before how it's not really a contract year for Pete, but it kind of is a contract year. Because like I said, he's going to want to get paid, especially after seeing Jeff McNeil get paid, especially after seeing um, Francisco Lindor two years ago get that 10-year deal before he even played a single game for the Mets. Max Scherzer, another guy, before he even played for the Mets, got all this money. Um, and then Nimmo obviously got his contract as a homegrown Met. So Alonzo's going to want his money. And I'm not going to say this is the reason he's popping off all these home runs and leading the league in home runs currently. But maybe, uh, maybe it has something to do with it. I mean, we saw with Aaron Judge, the Yankees made the mistake of not not coming through with the table and signing him to an extension, a reasonable extension that Aaron Judge wanted. And then look what happened. They had to fight. They had to fight with three other teams for him. And they ended up giving him over $360 million plus. They could have saved a lot of money is all I'm trying to say. Pete Alonzo, he's kind of in that same boat right now. I'm not, I obviously judge was much more accomplished than Alonzo was at this point in his career, but Alonzo is also one of the fastest players in MLB history to reach 150 home runs. And I've talked about it numerous times. Judge is great. He's the best hitter in baseball, but we got to stop over. He like, he overshadows Pete Alonzo. And that's why Pete Alonzo gets, I think ripped on a lot. You know, he's deadlifting before the home run derby, stuff like that. Obviously he's an easy target to rip on, but at the end of the day, He's probably the best first baseman in the game outside of Paul Goldschmidt. Who's better? And really, he has a case for being better than Paul Goldschmidt. He popped off more home runs. He led the league in RBIs last year. And Lindor even said it himself last year. He thinks Alonzo can have the type of year that that chat. And I'm not saying that Alonzo's going to hit 63 home runs, but he did break Aaron Judge's rookie home run record. So I'm not going to say it's impossible. Now, I'm not trying to start this whole entire home run count for Pete Alonzo and race to 63, but maybe I am. Maybe I am. Who knows? Who knows with me? No, but seriously, all seriousness, though, Pete Alonzo, if he's putting up this type of production, it's great, but we need to see it with runners in scoring position for the Mets. That's really what we need to see. We're 7-6. and six. We could probably be like probably, probably 11 wins, I'd say. 
we should have if we come through in a couple games with runners in scoring position. And part of that is Pete Alonzo, but I can't knock him too much because, like I said, he leads the league in home runs right now. He led the league in RBIs last year. As much as I want to say he's not clutch, he is clutch. Same thing with Lindor. We're still early on to tell. Um, but, yeah, I'm really excited to see the changes that could potentially happen if Escobar continues to struggle. Because we do see in the minor leagues, we see Ronnie Mauricio tearing it up. We do see Brett Beatty tearing it up. We do see even Mark Vientos tearing it up, a guy last year who came up and struggled. Francisco Alvarez, obviously, we were all excited for him. But let's be real, guys. Francisco Alvarez does not look ready. And I hate how everybody says, oh, he needs to play. He's young. He needs to play. That's stupid. He doesn't need to play. If he's a good and legit top three prospect, taking a day off every other like every other day shouldn't affect him. I'm sorry it shouldn't. We'll be back down in the minors in a couple of days once, once, Narvaez, once Narvaez is healthy. Ugh, can't get my words off. Healthy, hopefully. And then Alvarez can get more time. I think Alvarez has the potential, I've said it numerous times, to be a 30-plus home run player in this league. He has that much power. He's just not ready. You saw it in a 2-0 count with runners on second and third. He's the time run at the plate with bases, uh, not with bases loaded, but with, with the top of the order on deck in the, uh, in the bottom of the ninth. And what does he do? He swings that two pitches above his head. Then it's 2-2. Two and two. Just like that. And even if I can dissect that problem, I can point out that problem. And I only played baseball until I was like 18 years old. I can dissect that problem. And he should know that. Like, I feel like that's just something... Like, that just shows you the immaturity level of Francisco Alvarez. Like I said, the talent's there. He has the talent to hit 30-plus home runs. I just don't think it's right now, and I think it's unfair for Mets fans to expect Francisco Alvarez to produce right now. I do, and I think that's why Buck Showalter isn't playing him, because he understands that it's unfair to throw Francisco Alvarez in these types of situations. Francisco Alvarez isn't a starting catcher on a $364 million payroll team, a, a team with a $364 million payroll. They're not. This team has World Series aspirations. We shouldn't be putting the pressure on, on the kids. We shouldn't have to be arguing about whether Brett Beatty should be up or Ronnie Mauricio should be up. J.D. Martinez was available in the offseason. We could have had Correa. Correa's on the IL, obviously, but we could have had him. Edwin Diaz is a hole that we still haven't filled. Third base was a hole that we thought we needed to fill. With Correa, we filled it, right? But then... Just because Correa falls through, we're like, okay, we're not going to fill that hole. Even though we have a guy in Brett Beatty who looks more than ready, maybe not defensively, but who cares at this point? If he can field a ground ball and throw it to first base nine out of ten times or eight out of ten times, I think that's really all Mets fans care about. We just don't want to see a guy hitting 100 and automatic out. Literally, it's like when we're seven years old again and it's D.C. That, like, That's what Mets fans wish that Eduardo Escobar was a D.C. It doesn't count. It's frustrating. It is frustrating. And I saw a report yesterday that in the Amazing's Mets chat. Shout out those guys, all you guys, Top Bunk, uh, Keith, Key, Shay and Sean's podcast. Shout out the Mets way too. Um, all you guys. Um, oh, Hector too. Blunt Thoughts is popping off pretty well. Yeah, I love all those guys. Nelson too. Check out his YouTube channel. Shout out you guys. But yeah, no, um, this Mets team, I just think the ki- the fact that we are even banking on the kids just shows you how Billy Epler really just failed to put together a $364 million team. If that makes any sense. Like we have such a high payroll and who are impact guys outside of Lindor and Alonzo. Like Marte and Nimmo, they, they do their job. They get on base. And then it's all on, it's all on Lindor and Alonzo. 
to drive them in. And Jeff McNeil, I I love how everybody thinks he's a five hitter or a three hitter or a two hitter. And listen, Jeff McNeil is a guy that, yes, you could pop anywhere in the lineup. But it's unfair to expect Jeff McNeil to be your run producer. Your run producer. Jeff McNeil is not a run producer. He should be, I, like, I think the Mets should put, if it was me, it was my Mets, I'd say Nimmo McNeil, Lindor, Alonzo Marte. I'd have Marte, but he's got a little bit more pop. And that'd be my consistent five. I wouldn't go, yes, Canna has a career OPS of like 982 against lefties. He pops off against lefties, yes. But we all know McNeil. He's one. He's arguably one of the best hitters in all of baseball. He was the Baden champion last year. So it's not a hot take. So is should he bat fifth? Should he bat sixth? Should he bat third? Bat anywhere. But the fact of the matter is, he shouldn't be a run producer. He should be the guy scoring. Somebody else should be driving him in. He shouldn't have to be the one protecting Pete Alonzo. He's not that type of guy. He shouldn't be the one that has to hit the ball in the gap. He's not that type of guy. Brett Beatty, Ronnie Mauricio, maybe Vientos. I think Mauricio and Beatty, that's why I put those two in the graphic. I think those two are the most ready. And I think those two could be a guy that hit fifth. And I've said it numerous times, if we get an actual five hitter, it lengthens the lineups that much more. Because I know everybody's a Jeff McNeil fan and they love McNeil and they want to show McNeil respect and bottom in the top, bat him in the top five. But it's what's best for the team. We have the best leadoff hitter in all of baseball. If McNeil, not in all of baseball, but one of the best, Brandon Nimmo is a very good leadoff hitter. He gets on base almost every time he leads off the game. Jeff McNeil, if he's on any other team, he's probably their leadoff hitter. It's just unfortunate that we have Brandon Nimmo. So me personally... If I'm if I'm Buck Showalter, I want to bat him sixth or I want to bat him ninth. Why? Because the bat, the guy who bats first, the guy who bats sixth, and the guy who bats ninth, those are the guys who usually, who usually lead off the innings. And if we have like last year, when when we had production out of the five hole for a period of time, that's when our offense was taken off. McNeil wasn't our five hitter. McNeil was scoring. So if we can find a five-hitter and we can, we have the luxury to bat the NL batting champion in that six through nine range where that six through nine range in the Mets lineup is absolutely terrible. It's terrible. We get no production out of that side. But if you call up Brett Beatty and he can slide in and be your five-hitter or you make a trade for an actual five-hitter, that's not Daniel Vogelback or Mark Hanna. Because I'm sorry, I love Mark Hanna and I love Daniel Vogelback. But on a $364 million team that has World Series aspirations, maybe they can be bench pieces, but they should not be starters. And it sucks that us Mets fans hate on these guys because they shouldn't even be put in these positions. And it's Buck Showalter putting them in these positions, yes, but it's also not on Buck Showalter because who else is he going to put in that position? Tim LaCastro? Tommy Pham, who had a good day at the plate today, yeah. And he's been having a good day at the plate. And you know what Buck's been doing? He's been riding with the hot hand. Buck doesn't love the vets. Buck doesn't, he's not Tom Thibodeau. He loved Derek Jeter. When Derek, he was, 
He was the man. He was the guy who wanted Derek Jeter to start playing shortstop for the New York Yankees when he was a kid. So this whole narrative that Buck Showalter is obsessed with veterans is just stupid. It's Billy Epler who wants who wants Eduardo Escobar to 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 succeed. He wants Marcanis to succeed. He wants Vogie to succeed. So that's why these guys have a longer leash than a guy like Robinson Cano, who wasn't a Billy Epler guy. Because when Cano gets cut. It doesn't look bad on Epler. It looks bad on BVW. But when Escobar fails and Canna continues to fail and Vogie, who I love Vogie, he gets on base. Yes, he does a great job. But Nimmo OBP on, on Twitter even pointed it out. Dude, Vogie's not here to get on base. He gets on base and then gets pinch ran for. So what What? What good does it do? You? What, do what good does it do? I don't understand. Vogie was brought here to hit the ball over the wall. Right? Isn't that what a DH that's over 300 pounds does? Hit the ball to Shake Shack. That's what we brought you here for. Not to walk to first base and then get pinch ran for and not score. So I love Vogie. Yes, I love him. But he's not a he's not the DH of a team that has a $364 million payroll. I can't, I cannot say it enough. And the fact that we have to bank on the kids is just ridiculous. But at the end of the day, we're 7-6. and six, We're still early. Um, Kodai Senga looks freaking sick. Pete Alonzo leads the league in home runs. Um, David Robertson is looking strong. So we still do need to fill the bullpen holes, 100%, yes. But it is a good sign that David Robertson and Adam Adovino are looking good. So that's, that's good. That's good. Because then really we just need to like – Put a Band-Aid on the bullpen for the year. That's what we need to do. We need a legit five-hitter, and it could potentially be in AAA. So I'm not worried about this Mets season just derailing, especially with this guy. Yeah, right here. This guy, Kodai Senga, who's pitching this Friday for the third time in his major league career. Whew, I am so excited. I've been saying it. I have a video on my YouTube page explaining why Kodai Senga could potentially win the Cy Young this year because he's that good. He won six Japan Series titles in Japan, blah, blah, blah. You know it, blah, blah, blah. Sub two-year array in Japan. Better stats than Shohei Otani in Japan, blah, blah, blah. Shohei Otani, fourth in Cy Young voting last year. No biggie. Senga was only better. So on this on this rotation, I said it on the Mets where I said Senga's going to turn into the New York Mets ace, and he already is a New York ace right now because he's the best pitcher on the Mets. Cookie Carrasco is terrible. David Peterson, shout out David Peterson, man. He's pulling his legs right now. I love to see it. First-round draft pick making an impact. Love it. Tyler McGill, looking good, too. He looked good today, too. He got the win, so that was nice to see. So this rotation is, is keeping on, but the ace, the best pitcher of this staff is not Max Scherzer. It's not Justin Verlander because Justin Verlander hasn't pitched yet. It's Kodai Senga. It's the guy in his prime. It's the guy who won six championships in Japan. That guy is our ace, and that's why I'm excited because every Mets fan will talk about all the Mets content creators, all of them, all of them including myself. Brett Beatty should be here. Ronnie Mauricio should be here. Mark Viento should be here. Well, at the end of the day, Buck Showalter has 108 wins as match manager. We have Kodai Senga on the mound this Friday. We're not talking about anything good about the Mets. And the Mets didn't lose six games because Jeff McNeil didn't bat fifth, by the way. That's not why they lost. They lost because we can't get the job done with runners in scoring position. And that's not just Mark Canna. 
We saw Lindor didn't get the job done multiple times. Alonzo not get the job done. It's early on. Relax. Let's talk about the good stuff. Let's talk about the good stuff. Kodai Senga, man. How could you not be excited? Drop in the comments. Drop in the Twitter Twitter replies. What do you think about Kodai Senga? Do you think he could turn into the New York Mets ace? I really think he could. Because like I said, age... I think he can get the most innings for us. I think when you look at the whole entire volume of stats at the end of the year, I think Kodai Senga will emerge as the best. I think he has Cy Young potential. The ghost forkball is insane. His sinker is insane. His, I think, a, like a slider. Uh, like, I don't know if it's a slider. I, I don't know. But he's good. And that's what I'm excited about. So Kodai Senga... Keep, I'm like, I think we need to start making it a day. Kodai Senga day. We had Harvey day. We had DeGrom day. We need to have Kodai day. We Kodai day this Friday. Nothing better than Kodai Senga day. But I was talking about the Yankees earlier. So let's talk about the Yankees right now. Garrett Cole, he's been chopping. Um, Lights out. Lights out to start the year. I don't want to spend too much time on Garrett Cole because there's not really that much to say. All there is to say is Garrett Cole is the best hit bet. The best pitcher in New York. He's better than Scherzer right now. He's better than Verlander because Verlander hasn't pitched in New York. And he owns it. He owns it. He feeds off He feeds off this New York crowd. He wanted to come here. We see usually stars, they develop here. Like, like lately, stars develop here, sometimes leave, or sometimes stay. Judge stayed. DeGrom left. We saw Darren Ruff talk about how hard it is to play in New York, especially with the media. Shout out Darren Ruff, throw what he went through. It sucks. That's terrible for what Darren Ruff went through while he was here. So shout out to Darren Ruff. He's a tough guy. Hate to see what happened to him, but all love. At the end of the day, these guys are all just humans. Um, Like Hector even said, Hector from Washington Heights, man, he even said all these guys are just humans. So as much as we do hate on him, we're not hating on them as humans. We're hating on their play. But it uh, we do got to... We do got to realize sometimes as fans that these guys, they have real lives outside of just sports. And so do we. So we do need to take a notch back sometimes. But Yankees, though, they look great. Eight and four, seven and three in their last 10. Um, Garrett Cole, like I said, looking lights out, looking like that Cy Young pitcher that all Yankees fans know that he has the capability to be. Anthony Volpe switched to the leadoff spot today. He had a good day at the plate. He had a base knock. He's been struggling a little bit, but maybe that switch to the leadoff spot can kind of add him a little bit of spark. They have a lot of confidence in him. Aaron Boone loves, loves Volpe. And I think that's a great sign because when you look at him, I mean, let's be real, guys. The Yankees haven't said a bad thing about Anthony Volpe yet. Everything they say about Anthony Volpe is this guy's going to be like literally Boone even said it himself. He implied today that Volpe will be spending a lot of time in the leadoff spot in the near future. So what like they they think this guy is going to be their shortstop for like the next decade. And the guy only played 22 AAA games. But listen, I have high expectations for Volpe too. But I think, you know what? I think the leadoff spot could benefit him. Because I, I even before the season started, I was talking about how Volpe, I think he should have been banned before before LeMahieu. Give that kid a little protection. Because, yeah, it's throwing pressure on him. But he's a kid who could take the pressure. He's from this area. He wanted to be a Yankee his whole life. Same pressure. Pressure is a privilege for him, man. Um, What else we got about the Yankees? Aaron Judge, he's just Aaron Judge. Hitting home runs. 
hitting for average, extra base hits in the gap. Then you got John Carlos Stanton, who's looking good too. He's batting 275 throughout these first 12 games. So that's a that's a nice little plus for the Yankees. If John Carlos Stanton can really be like like the John Carlo MB, not MB, not even MVP Stan. Let's say Stan can be a 260 guy. 260, 30 plus home runs. You know he's going to get you 100 plus RBIs with those stats. That's a game changer. That would be a game changer because let's be real. Giancarlo Stan hasn't played up to standards. Let's be real. He hasn't. They traded for him after he won the MVP. And since he's been with the Yankees, he hasn't really done much. He's just been streaky, he's inconsistent. When he gets going, he's one of the most dangerous hitters in baseball. But if you could be one of the most dangerous hitters in baseball all year round, and like I said, with Glaber Torres playing the way that Glaber Torres has been playing, this Yankees team and Anthony Rizzo, you got you got five guys in LeMahieu, Judge, Glaber Torres, Rizzo, Stanton, and if Volpe can get going in that leadoff spot now, that's six guys. And then Igashioka. Is, is a really good catcher. And with the duo two of Jose Trevino, you got the catching. It's really just Josh Donaldson not pulling his rate, pulling his weight. Because as Waldo Cabrera, he can be, he can play anywhere. You as Waldo Cabrera anywhere on the field. But this Yankees team, their lineup is freaking stacked. Like, yeah, the Razor, the Razor undefeated right now. And Tampa Bay looks literally looks like the best team ever assembled. And it doesn't even make sense because they're not the best team ever assembled, but they somehow just, they just develop so well. I don't understand, but the Yankees pitching wise, I mean, when Seve's back full strength, Clark Schmidt as a, you know, did good today, but Nestor Cortez, Garrett Cole, like I said, lights out pitching like the Cy Young. You got Johnny Brito, Johnny Burrito. I don't know. But Brito is looking good too. This team, man, I'm like, I love the Mets, but this Yankees lineup, I can't lie. Outside of Josh Donaldson, everybody's a stud. And Volpe, like I said, I'm not worried about Volpe. I'm not worried about Volpe at all. I think it would be. I think, like I said, it's beneficial that he hits lead off. Keep that kid in the lead off. Judge Stanton Rizzo. They're all producing. You can get Volpe going. LeMahieu, he has to stay healthy. Glaber Torres, too, if he can produce like he's been producing. Oswaldo Cabrera, too. This team, man, just got to get by the race. And the Blue Jays, too, they're not going to be easy. This AL East, it was already one of the best divisions in baseball, but now I think it's even better than it was last year. And that's what's scaring me for for the Yankees. But outside of that, this Yankees team, if they get to the postseason, they're set. They can get there. They just got to get past the Astros because they got the guys to do it. They got the, got the offense. If Glaber Torres is, is what he is right now, if this is what he is, the Yankees are going to be a problem for teams. A serious, serious problem. So if you're a Yankees fan, be freaking excited. Be excited. Going to take a quick break. And then I'm going to talk about uh, a little bit of Knicks, a little bit of Nets uh, postseason preview. But watch this clip with me and Wardy New York Mets. Shout out Wardy New York Mets tomorrow. He'll be on SNY tomorrow for Mets Off Day Live. Um, so shout out Wardy, doing big things, doing big things, man. Um, but yeah. And 
you know, even after Otani, you know, what do you think? What do you think about Steve Cohen as a whole? Like, you think this guy, what do you think he did for this Mets franchise so far? Yeah, I think starting with the first half of the question, Otani's certainly on the table. Um, uh, the biggest barrier in the Mets way from them landing him isn't dollars, but it really is just preference. Um, if Otani still has the same preference that he had uh, entering the MLB, which is West Coast, then the likelihood of him landing with the Mets isn't as strong as, say, the Dodgers, who, while the Dodgers might not be able to put up the highest dollar uh, for Otani the way that the Mets would, it wouldn't be shocking if Otani, say, took a slight pay cut from the Dodgers versus what the Mets offer would be. They weren't drastically different to stay in LA, that area, to be with the Dodgers and be on a championship-winning type organization still. So that is the biggest hurdle in landing him, but rest assured, we've all known by now that when Cohen has his eyes set on someone, he's going to do everything physically and humanly possible to acquire them. And, you know, I don't expect a Carlos Correa, you know, broken ankle type situation 2.0 here with Otani. So rest assured, if the interest is there, which we all know it is, uh, the Mets will at minimum do their due diligence and give a valiant effort in landing him. And should they not, especially then you look at the Manny Machado, you know, I, I think either way, the Mets are in a strong position to land one of the top free agents next year. Just a matter of if it's going to be the best player in baseball or is it going to be one of the best third basemen in the game? So, yeah, we'll discuss that more as we get closer to the trade deadline, depending on where the Angels are at and things of that nature. But, yeah, they will certainly be involved. And to answer the second part, yeah, Cohen, I mean, it, everything that I say you know by now, right? He's just done an amazing job as Mets owner over the past couple of years. Um, I had the privilege of meeting him um, a couple months ago, back in early January at a Mets event, and he was just, you know, exactly what you would expect him to be. I mean, just the fact that he goes so out of his way constantly to interact with fans, people, media, just really showing that the only difference between you and I and Cohen is the dollars in our net worth. Aside from that, the same interest level is there when it comes to being a diehard true Mets fan. That is what is was the focal point in him buying the team in the first place. It wasn't because of this being a superior investment long-term. No, it's because he wants to bring championships to Queens as, as a desperate fan. And I don't blame him. I, I would do the exact same thing if I had the money to back it. And if I were in his shoes. So um, yeah, everything he's done from top down, not only in the organization with the amount of funding for the roster, which is close r- right around double more that he spent on, Guaranteed contracts alone since he became an owner, which is around $1.3 billion, then the next closest owner in baseball over the past couple of years, which is Steinbrenner of the Yankees, around $880 million. Um, aside from investing a record amount of dollars over that period of time with on-field product, it's off the field. It's with the coaching staff with Show Walter Epler the hundreds of thousands to millions of dollars that he's also spending in the analytics department, which is something that the Mets didn't even have when Cohen became owner, it's, it's from the, all right, I guess I'm back. Yeah, I am back. All right, let's do this. Let's do this. Nick's postseason preview no more yankees talk shout out to the guys uh that said frankie should have been on that list the franchise um 
I don't know. I just don't know. Not a big fan. I think he's top 10, but those guys that were on my top five list, uh, they're, they're just too good right now for the, for him. Um, but yeah, let's talk about this Knicks postseason. Got the Cavs. Julius Randle should be healthy. He's been practicing, looking strong. Um, need the Knicks, though. Need the Knicks to get a big dub because I think that they can do it. This Cavs team is beatable. Yes, they got Donovan Mitchell. They got a superstar that we don't have. But at the end of the day, we got more depth. We're a deeper team. We got guys like Emmanuel quickly who can get, he can get going. He can pop off for 30 points any given night. We got guys like Obi Toppin who we saw he can potentially come off the bench. I think we might see a little bit more of him too in this postseason rotation, which is going to be exciting for Knicks fans. We got also Josh Hart too on the defensive side when he comes off the bench. Yeah, he's only going to give you 10, 10, or, 10 or 12 points at tops, but the defense that he's going to provide, the tenacity that he's going to provide on the rebounding side. He's just that type of player. So we can win this series easily. Cretton Grimes, too. Another guy, just like Quickly. Quickly is a little bit more chance. Obviously, he's really emerged as a legit scoring threat for the Knicks. But Quentin Grimes, another guy, he can pop off for 25-plus points any given night. It's not this same Knicks team that faced the Hawks two years ago. It's not. It's not Reggie Bullock. It's not Alfred Payton. It's not, it's not Taj Gibson, Nerlens Noel. No. It's the guys we drafted. It's the guys we brought in, yes, and Julius Randle and Jalen Brunson, and those two are the most important pieces. But what's exciting is it's the kids. Emmanuel Quickly, Mitchell Robinson, R.J. Barrett, Quentin Grimes. We get to see these guys. We get to see them in the most important games of their lives. Yet. Now, a lot of fans, a lot of Knicks fans have high hopes. A lot of Knicks fans don't have high expectations, but they have high hopes. And I think that's completely valid. We don't have high expectations because at the end of the day, the Cavs are the four seed, we're the five seed, so the Cavs are going to be projected to win. So we shouldn't expect the Knicks to just blow the doors off the Cleveland Cavaliers. It'd be unfair. At the end of the day, they do, they do have Donovan Mitchell. They have Evan Mobley. They have Jared Allen. They have Darius Garland. Oh, they have Okoro, who's, who's freaking good. Ricky Rubio off the bench. This Cavs team is just as good as the Knicks team, coaching-wise, too. But we're better defensively. Like I said, I think we're the deeper team. We got the deeper roster. So I think that it makes sense that the Knicks could potentially pull this off. If we lose... Like we did to the Hawks two years ago, I will be pissed, yes. But I don't think that's going to happen. I think this Knicks team is going to push the Cavs to the limit, even if the Cavs beat us. And I think the Knicks will win this series. I think the key is you throw screens at Mitch, at Donovan Mitchell with Mitchell Robinson, with Isaiah Hartenstein. You just continue. Throw screens at Donovan Mitchell. Make him as tired as possible so we can... We can pull off late game comebacks if we need one. Or like that's we just need to make Donovan Mitchell tired because we saw him pop off for 40 plus points, even when Jalen Brunson popped off for 40 plus points against the Cavs. So we know that Donovan Mitchell can just light this they light this defense up, even as good as it is. We don't have anybody that can really guard Donovan Mitchell. He's he's sometimes unguardable. He's that good. But 
they're still beatable. And that's the key. You got to make them tired. We saw last year Jalen Brunson and the Mavs were able to take down Donovan Mitchell and the Utah Jazz. Now, this is not the Utah Jazz we're playing. It's Cleveland Cavaliers, a much better team. Evan Mobley, Isaac Okoro, Ricky Rubio, like I said, Evan Mobley, Jared Allen. This team's good. Very good. But we're deeper. We're deeper. We're better defensively. Julius Randle, it's not, I don't think, like two years ago, he had nobody. And that's another thing. Julius Randle two years ago had nobody else as a second option in that Atlanta Hawks series. I love R.J. Barrett, but he was just not, even though R.J. has struggled this year, he just wasn't, he just wasn't a viable second option on a playoff team, and he just wasn't ready. And neither was Julius Randle, and neither were the Knicks. They weren't ready to be the four seed. But now they're ready to be the five seed, and that's what excites me because they have a chance of actually winning this round, and I wouldn't be surprised if the second round, as long as it's not against the Milwaukee Bucks, which I don't think it would be, then I think we might be able to get to the Eastern Conference Finals. Why not? Seriously, why not? I feel like this team, too, plays better against good teams. When us Knicks fans get upset, it's when they lose to teams like like the Hornets or the Orlando Magic. That's what infuriates us. But they beat teams like the Miami Heat. They beat the Boston Celtics. They beat the Cavs. So they beat the good teams. And that's what's that's what's exciting me going into this postseason. It's not that Knicks team that overachieved. This is who they are. They're not a playing team. We thought they were a playing team, and we we were all wrong, all wrong. Because I thought this team was a playing team, and I was wrong. Because Jalen Brunson's a top five point guard in this league. Julius Randle's a top five power forward in this league. Emmanuel quickly might win a sixth man of the year. Tom Thibodeau, hate him or love him. He's a good coach. Good coach. So we underrated this team going into this year. So I won't be surprised if the Knicks surprise us again just in the playoffs now. Now, are they going to win the finals? Hell no. But we see sometimes the Atlanta Hawks did it two years ago. They were the surprise team that went to the conference finals. Now, I'm not saying expect this team to go to the conference finals, but don't be shocked if they're in it. This Knicks team, I think, if I had to predict in seven games against the Cleveland Cavaliers, I'm going Knicks in six. I don't even think I don't think it takes seven games. I think Julius Randle is going to bully the hell out of Evan Mobley. I think if we throw screens at Donovan Mitchell, you make him tired, I said. Then later on in that series, we can really capitalize. We can really turn it on. And Jalen Bronson and Randall have also been rested, too. That's another key thing. R.J. Barrett's been rested, too. And we got a deep roster. I think quickly he's going to play a pivotal role in this series. Because realistically, Donovan Mitchell would be the best player in this series. But we need the second best player to be Brunson. We need the third best player to be Randall. And we need the fourth best player to be Emmanuel quickly. Because Emmanuel quickly, he's been, he's been a top five player on the court every game he's been playing in the past few games. That's how good he's been playing. Manuel quickly is emerging as a, a legit star 
Over his last 15 games, he averaged over 20 a night. So this Knicks team is deep, and I think that's going to benefit them. I think if you throw screens at Donovan Mitchell, you make him as tired as possible. R.J. Barrett, limit the three ball, and we're good. Because Julius Randle has options. He has Emmanuel quickly now. He has Jalen Brunson now, obviously, who takes hella pressure off him. Uh, J- Julius Randle averaged 25 a night. 25 and 10 a night. So, and that guy, we, including myself, hated him last year. He was booing us, booing us back. Just goes to show you, though, like Zach Wilson, a guy like him, if he were to ever turn it around and become the quarterback of the New York Jets, we'd love him. We'd love him. Just look at the Julius Randle effect, the Francisco Lindor, the Edwin Diaz. But let's switch it up to some Brooklyn Nets, little Nets postseason preview. Then I'm going to call it quits for the night. Maybe talk a little football on pod tomorrow or something like that. But yeah, the Brooklyn Nets, man. I got my Knicks gear back up here. So maybe I'll uh, I'll switch my cams, actually. So it's not just all. It's all Knicks and stuff in the back here, too. All right, but yeah. The Brooklyn Nets, you look at them. Their top three players are nowhere close to the Philadelphia six, uh, 76ers top three players. I mean, Embiid, Harden, Maxi, even Tobias Harris. Um, I think McCall Bridge is probably the second best player in the series after Joel Embiid. I do think he's better than James Harden at this point in James Harden's career. I think he's I think he's better than Tyrese Maxey, even though Tyrese Maxey is a beast. Um, listen, Doc Rivers is the head coach of the Philadelphia 76ers. So that's why I'm saying the Nets could potentially freaking win this series. Why not? They, I mean, they, they kind of shocked everybody by staying afloat. Everybody thought right when KD and Kyrie left, this team was just going to fall off the mat. They made the actual playoffs. They're not just a playing team. They're in the playoffs. So put respect on Jack Vaughn's name, one. McCall Bridges, put respect on his name. Cam Johnson, two. Nick Claxton, two. They're, they they need a couple pieces, yeah, if they want to be like a top five team. But they're relevant. And that's all that matters. Be relevant, Brooklyn Nets. And I think, I'm not going to say they're going to beat the Philadelphia 76ers. My prediction is that the Philadelphia 76ers will absolutely wipe the floor with them. I think Joel Embiid is just, just going to overmatch everybody. They don't have anybody to guard Embiid. Nobody can guard Embiid. But the Nets especially don't have anybody to guard Embiid. So they're done. I think the, I think the Nets are going to lose. But that's the cool thing. Nets literally have nothing to lose. Nothing to lose. So that's what's going to be exciting to watch. We're going to see we're going to see McCall Bridges basically try to be a playoff hero. So let's see. And that would be awesome if McCall Bridges just absolutely torches the Philadelphia 76ers. Because as much as I hate the, uh, the the Brooklyn Nets, I can't lie, I hate the Philadelphia Sixers, 76ers that much more. I keep butchering their name just because I hate the Sixers. And I hate the Phillies. And I hate the Eagles. And I hate Philadelphia. It sucks. Philly sucks. All right. 
But yes, my prediction, final prediction, I think Sixers win this series in six games. Um, I do think, though, that the Nets push them to the limit. I think McCall Bridges will have a great series. I think Cam Johnson will pop off for a few games, too. And it's going to be fun. It's going to be fun. I think hopefully uh, McCall Bridges can can really go off just so some stars can maybe even want to come to the Brooklyn Nets. Because, listen, I've always hated the Nets. It's always been like the Nets have always been here for me, like on the very low. But when Katie and Kyrie left, it kind of like made me like the Nets a little bit. It was like, all right. Like, I think it was because Katie and Kyrie basically always shat on us Knicks. So it was nice to see those two just like go elsewhere and kind of fail. I mean, <laughs> Kyrie sucked with the Mavs. Yeah, that was funny. Kyrie sucks. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, KD, I, like, I don't think everyone was like, oh, the Suns are going to win the championship. The Suns are winning the championship. How many people are pick, picking the Suns to win the championship still? Yeah, not a lot. But let's keep talking a little basketball, though, while I'm at it. Um, I want to talk a little bit of basketball. Before I do completely transition into my football talk. What is going on? All right. Yeah, but anyways, while my overlays and graphics are lagging, I'm going to talk about some uh, some of the playing tournament. I want to talk about Toronto and Chicago real quick just because I just watched that one. Um, That was a fun game. Zach Levine, who could potentially be in New York Knicks next year, he had a great fourth quarter, a great third quarter, just overall a great second half, obviously. Um, but yeah, this NBA, the NBA postseason, it's good. Um, I'm not sure. I'm about to check the score of the Pelicans game right now that Zion Williamson was too scared to play him, which is just upsetting. But the plane is freaking awesome. The Lakers, that was a fun game last night. Seeing LeBron just... Seeing LeBron in important basketball games is just exciting. I think it's just great for basketball. It's like when the Knicks are good, it's good for basketball. When LeBron is relevant, it's good for basketball. Because as much as I hate the Lakers and I hate Anthony Davis and I hate LeBron James, it's nice seeing LeBron James play postseason basketball. Last night he went absolutely off. He dropped 30 points, 10 boards, 6 assists. Um, he was a minus 14, though. It was really the bench that kind of did win them the game. Dennis Schroeder, he was going off off the bench. He had 21 points off the bench. He was a plus 22. Um, Rory, uh, Rory Hachimura, man. I mean, you, you got to give him credit, too. He came off the bench and had 12 points. Um, Anthony Davis, he did very well, too, 24 points. D'Angelo Russell, he kind of struggled. But all, overall, I mean, he was playmaking all over the court, eight assists. So this, this Lakers team... And you even saw um, uh, their head coach, too. He put up on a whiteboard. They started off the year 2-10 and 10 with like a 30% chance to make the playoffs after that or something like that. So this team really did come a long way. And this is why I think the playing is so exciting. Because the Lakers, teams like the Lakers is what excites fans. They finished the year 43-39. and 39. They really made some moves. Pulled in like they, they completely reshaped their whole roster. And realistically, the Lakers, with LeBron James and Anthony Davis, obviously anything's 
Anything can happen. Even when they play the number one seed. Like, that's that's what's going to be fun. Let's look up the Lakers record after February 1st. I'm actually kind of interested to see. The Lakers were 19-11 and 11 since February 1st. Let's go record after March. 13 and 6 since March. Lakers are they're coming into the playoffs hot. And LeBron James is healthy. Anthony Davis is healthy. They don't have Russell Westbrook to screw it up anymore. The Lakers. Yeah. I'm taking them as my dark horse team to win the NBA Finals. So that's my dark horse team to win the NBA Finals. Um my way too early prediction to win the NBA Finals, the Milwaukee Bucks. Lock that in. So I'm going to be riding with the Bucks, the Knicks, and the Lakers this postseason. Also, the Bulls, man. The freaking Chicago Bulls. There's one team that I love that is in the East that's not the Knicks, and that's the Chicago Bulls because I'm a huge DeMar DeRozan fan. Even though he struggled today, Zach Levine, though, could be a Nick one day, maybe next year. Um. Don't hate on me for it. Could be, could happen. Could happen. Zach Levine looked good in the second half. He put the team on his back. They were down by down at like ten in one point in the in the fourth quarter early on, and then they just really turned it on. They really turned it on, and just seeing actual NBA players try in a winner go home game is just awesome. It is awesome to watch. It's awesome to see. This NBA postseason is going to continue to be fun. I'm going to go turn it on right now because I want to see how the Pelicans are doing against OKC. Let's actually check the score to that right now because I love C.J. McCollum. I'm a huge C.J. McCollum guy, especially when he left Dame. I thought he really started to pop off and prove himself. Oh, we got a tight one. 108-106. Yeah, I got to put it on. All right, I'm out of here. I'm going to watch playoff basketball. Um, going to be talking probably, let's say Friday or probably, um, I don't know, maybe tomorrow. You never know. I just like to vent now. So deuces. All right. How do I end this? This thing is lagging tonight.